oh, this this is weird. I'm just sitting in my little hole in the wall here with the door shut. Working <laughs> they just away. wave to you. I walk by and like, there's Jim. He used to do stuff. Oh, used to used to be useful. Good Hello. morning. Hello. Your glasses. I've joined you. Did you just get glasses? Yeah. There weren't like enough them. similarities, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I can mess my hair up a little bit here and... Shut up. <laughs> I don't ride into work. It's a little different. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Feel back to normal-ish, I guess. Pretty well to... rested. Yeah, surprisingly. I mean, I slept in a car a few of the nights, so I don't know how great that rest was, but I think I've recovered from that. Yeah. Cool. Wait, wait. Oh, this weird corner of Washington State that seemingly nobody goes to because all of our friends from the Seattle area were like, yeah, I've never been out there, but it's like the Olympic Peninsula, the upper left, west of Seattle, and it's like the place in the United States that gets the most rainfall of anywhere. I think maybe Hawaii gets more, yeah, but wow. it's a lot. It's That's very cool. different. I mean, it's still very green and lush like a lot of the state is, but yeah, it's nice. Well done. How good you one. Well done. Uh, good. Good. No camping, unfortunately. <laughs> in the winter? <laughs> uh, look, the winters are pretty sunny here. Cold cold in the mornings, but... Yeah. Castle Maine, where we are, we get crisp, clear, sunny days. It's quite... Yeah. It's not that wet. That's good. No, it's been a good couple of weeks. Yeah. They're playing yeah. with interesting ways to do threading on the pencil sharpener, <laughs> it seems like. Yeah, I'm trying to... Dream, dream of a five axis via a hot glue gun. <laughs> Made that oh, the only really way to jank- do it, honestly. <laughs> Made the really janky little fixture that mounts in the chuck and has that angled surface. Mm-hmm. So I can machine my stool tops, the female thread on an angle. It worked pretty well. For it. I think we can make a, a really nice steel fixture. Oh, oh, your microphone gain just went. Up, up, up. It's back to normal now. That's kind of weird. It's it's fine now. Okay. I could just suddenly hear the everything in the room. <laughs> oh. <laughs> a little personal. <laughs> That's been fun. I've been, have, I must say, just missing one week of, oh, there we go. I can hear your, oh, it's gone again. Weird. Anyway, I must say, it's been last week missing a podcast recording. <laughs> it's really bad. like... It's just coming in and out. It's really like a stethoscope where I, suddenly mm. I can hear into your chest. Great. Oh, automatically just microphone volume. How's that? There we go. Stupid. <laughs> Zoom doing stuff. Yeah. Well, oh, watch this. Oh. <laughs> How'd you do that? Uh, stream deck and uh, so I can also do this. Coffee down. Yes. I've, only got two right, I've only got two right now, but we're on our way. Done on speed dial. That's a dream. I I almost got that accomplished. When you're like, I'm five minutes late today, I was like, oh, I might have enough time to add another one. <laughs> Didn't. But you're saying one week uh, off, not having the, the podcast. One week, yeah, no podcast recording last week meant that I had slightly less accountability to my early mornings. <laughs> I did. <Missed> it. <laughs> one, two. one, two, three. <laughs> We're all over uh, the place today. I think this is boy, boy. what you call a schmuzzle. One, yes. <laughs> what was I saying? One week off. One week off, and it's a mess. Ah, yeah, not being accountable for one early morning last week ah. meant that 
I was a bit slack with all my early mornings last week and into this week. Hmm. I found myself feeling a bit down on Tuesday. I was like, what's this about? I was like, oh, I just haven't been doing that little bit of me time in the mornings. <laughs> I get that. I think that cup, even if I only get half an hour in, just that little bit of off the clock tinker time, yeah. R&D has been, yeah, just really valuable to keeping me sort of buoyant, I suppose, and not getting too bogged down in just standard business activities throughout the day. For sure. It's like, I don't know, like changing up what you're doing every day definitely helps too. I've noticed whenever I'm deep into like just fixing a problem day after day and not following any type of like, not pattern, but just things that are different every day, you know, you, I tend to get pretty stale and frustrated and my mind mm. is crappy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How's how's production flowing? Oh, it was pretty good. Ricky actually had some time off too, so we had a couple days of nobody cool. here, which was interesting. Yay. Hasn't happened in a long time. The printer's been pretty good. We ran out of filament actually. Bruce took a little longer to get us filament again than we expected, so I had a few days of downtime and then Ricky kept it going while I was gone. He's currently making some of those Chemex rests right now. You can kind of probably hear that. But um, was it loud? It's fine. <laughs> no. Yeah. Other than that, we're just kind of we've been finalizing the last production details of do you glue this thing into the plate or does it just get press fit like stuff that's just trying to scale it up. But the orders have kind of kept coming in. They slowed after the weekend and then haven't had any since Friday. So I don't know if I pissed okay. off Google or something, but yeah, it happens. But they've they've kept moving though post launch. Yeah, I've been happy about that. I've got a couple more potential options to, like, I figured out a way, I think somebody had recommended, maybe you said this too, to just offer reducers for people who can only do Uh four-inch ducting. I've got that coming up as an option. You'll be able to buy that, and we'll send you a reducer with it. So, because it it needs, like, a little piece of five-inch flex duct to come with it, and you don't want to go buy 20 feet of it for yourself if you need six inches, so... We'll just totally. cut off a little bit, and um, I'm hoping that brings in a few more and trying to get more people that have other machines that want to test it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. That'll change with time as you get get them out into the world. I reckon. For sure, yeah. That's cool. I was going to ask, Josh showed me, Josh was doing some printing here yesterday, and he was mm-hmm. demonstrating a melt-in M3 thread set. I was really impressed with how well it held into the PETG print. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Cool. How do you melt it? I think he was using a soldering iron. Interesting. Yeah. I've bought a couple of those. Remember the one I showed you, the one for the side drilling? Those are intended yeah. to be melt in, I think, or press in. And okay. I just yeah. smashed them into the point where they need to be melted and they stay on their own anyway. It's kind of crazy. Mm. Yeah. Those are awesome. Figure out more ways to use that because I really like it. Yeah. I was just really impressed. Like he gave me a scrap one to like try and wrestle it out with a pair of pliers and it was. Really tough, impressive. Yeah, soldering uh, iron is a good idea. Are you buying filament through Prusa? Is that how that works? Trying to find some alternatives because they're a long ways away. <laughs> yeah, and we already had one scenario where we ran out. So it's and you know I, I've had a couple people ask me. Ricky asked me when I got back from vacation. He's like, "Why don't we get another printer? Because <laughs> we can do you know only a couple a day if we're really on yep. it." And uh, like today we had, a, it just had a layer shift and it's first time ever. It just totally shifted over about, I don't know, 40 millimeters up probably. And so that was mm. crap and it had been printing for four or five hours already. Now we've lost one. Now this one will finish like when we're probably laying in bed, you know? 
Yeah. So I can't start another it? one for the night. Do you run it overnight? We have been, yeah. Yeah. Which freaked me out for a That's long cool. time, but then I did some Googling and it seems as if there's really been like no examples of Prusa's causing fires so far. Yeah. In our studio, the art studios that Laura runs, we used to have a guy in there who ran like a whole print farm. Oh, wow. And like 10 to 15 printers or something. And we were doing some research at the time. We found these like fire extinguishers that look like soccer balls and you can kind of mount them on the wall. Yes. I can't remember if we used them in his studio, but I ended up buying some for here and I've got them in our dust extractor bag house. Yeah. Outside. And so if, if the dust collector ever went up, there's like these two soccer balls mounted inside there that will just explode. You did get some interesting. Have you, you haven't had it happen, I assume. Like, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. They could go boom. But I feel good that they're out there. Yeah. We have to like recertify our fire extinguishers. And the last time I did that, I asked the, the <laughs> vendor you? about those. Yeah. I was like, have you ever seen these fire the soccer balls? <laughs> He's like, yeah, they're cool. They don't really work though. And I was like, yeah. is that because you don't sell them or like you want me to yeah. buy some thousand dollar suppression system? Mm-hmm. I didn't ask him that, but I, mm-hmm. I have seen those videos too, where it like explodes and puts out the fire, like with compression. All right. So my surprise of my trip. <sighs> Surprises includes a show and tell <laughs> we do have all of these in the united states my wife Erin, found we were like went to seattle on the end of our loop of our trip and she just happened to stumble on this like wallaby farm in the seattle area and blindfolded me to go there because she knew it would be somewhat humorous for us to review because we had just talked i showed her that clip but he has albino ones this guy uh, which i found to be very strange and very strange. Maybe yeah. unethical. I don't know. This guy was quirky as hell. Like, aside <laughs> from the ethics, because he seemingly sells them, and I don't know how I feel about any of that, but he does an educational program for schools and, like, educates about kangaroos and wallabies, and so he has a few. <laughs> awesome. What do you think about this? Is this weird as hell? That, that looks like a... that. That's a kangaroo right there. Yeah, that's a full kangaroo, yeah. I think that one's, like, four <laughs> years old. Does this there seem odd and, like shady to you that there's kangaroos here and this guy's like an exotic breeder i don't know i figure people always this just happens right yeah i'm a little hesitant to talk about it because i was like i don't want people to think like i'm out here supporting some kind of weird exotic animal trade but yeah I don't, it was I don't entertaining we'll, i don't think we'll be putting a link into his wallaby no. farm but you know no they are very interesting especially as docile creatures he was he was saying that you know like in australia people don't have them as pets per se you know like he has them oh uh, maybe never that's not true one yeah no yeah, they're, <laughs> I've not, had they're one. not animals you touch yeah no i've had one lick my hand and it's just like a dog very very strange i mean they kind of look like giant rats as wallabies but it was <laughs> it was cute like this one right like laying in the shade hanging out it's like is that a giant rat or a wallaby Anyway, funny experience. Aaron was like, Jem will love this. And I was like, I don't know, will he? Or is he going to think like, we're weirdos? That's a bit weird. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah. As long as the wallabies were happy. Yeah, that's That's one thing I can say. They are all very well seemingly cared for. Like, he raises them in his house until they're a certain age. It's just, it's like, who may be a little too familiar with these things? (laughs) When you flashed up your screen share there and I just saw like thumbnails, I was like, Justin, what have you been doing on Dali of your holidays? <laughs> I made myself into wall, wall, wall of bee farm. Oh, boy. Also, 
also on the health check, seeing your uh, taskbar across the top of your screen there with like how many little applications and icons you've got. There's a few. Yeah. Go on, my lord. I have a little, little too many things. I w- I've always wondered if like I have t- enough things running in the background that's actually like eating some of my computer resources. Well, I'm fully recovered from my wallaby incident. And oh, that's good. It slowed me down in the dark. I don't ride as fast in that section any- anymore. Yeah, and I've got I've got a new head torch, which is incredibly bright. <laughs> Blind them like a car headlight attached to my helmet. It's fantastic. <laughs> That's great. That's been good. The, I, I did hear one growl a little bit. Another one. It was kind of interesting to hear it. Like oh, I was yeah, like, they make close, like, like kind of tough yeah. growly noise. I was yeah, kind of yeah, hoping I they made other noises. They make pretty creepy noises when you're asleep in a tent and they're just milling around outside. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Weird. Yeah, what else is interesting? So I, had, I had someone um, comment on Instagram the other day in a DM. They're like, I'm looking forward to the July product launch on your new Uh-oh. monthly schedule. Like, oh, damn it. People listen to this. That's right. <laughs> There's a responsibility or reliability. <laughs> but I'm going to call it now for recording on the 21st of July. I'm going to skip it because, oh, yeah, calling it early. I rushed out Kita V2 at the end of June, and I feel like we still haven't given it the justice, like given it the service it requires yeah. to be like fully formed. Like it's yes, it's online; you can buy it. There's still so much work to do in terms of putting all the resources online. We still haven't listed the individual components for sale. Mm-hmm. I'm going to shoot some new photography today of the new configurations and then get all of that online. So I feel like, yeah, I need to, I've got way more work to do on last month's launch before I can just rush out another product. Yeah. I'm supposed to so, say yeah. like, that's not acceptable, right? <laughs> Am I roll here? <laughs> yeah, I get that. I mean, I do this way too often where I'm like, oh, I'm going to get this thing out. And then it rolls into the next cycle. And yeah, but that's a huge one. Like, I, I guess I'm rationalizing for you that a product launch is like, what are you going to define it as? Is it another piece to the kit of hearts, which is just a minor update that's your product launch? Or is it always going to be a full system of things, which is <laughs> wild? I don't know how you could do that. Yeah, I think that's probably being too ambitious to do anything that's remotely system-like on a monthly basis, but I would like no to keep ticking things along. Actually, you know what? I might be saved by the team. Breaking news. Someone else might sneak through and overtake me and get there in the next week and a half because Ben and Josh have got a little uh, wardrobe unit that's well on the way. Mm. I, think I saw a prototype being made this week, and that's simple. <laughs> like That's not a, so much a system. It's more a sort of standalone thing, so that's something that we could potentially get online so yeah hold the hold the phone hold the, we might get there stop the presses <laughs> don't let this go out interesting mm, mm, mm. tbc i haven't i should probably set some type of goal around product launches we actually have like it feels like i have an endless list of things to be working on at the moment product wise which is nice mm. i maybe i've always felt that way since we started in october doing this the duck tower now is we're getting <laughs> I'll never be able to say that without a laugh. Quack, quack. <laughs> we have gone through a bunch of iterations, mostly digital, and gotten to this pretty nice form that we're getting quoted to do prototypes. I think that could come out next month pretty easily. Um, it's a, it's you know, it's not a major product, I would say, but it's like definitely something that 
solves a problem for people like us that were using weird ducting solutions before. Great. That'll be nice. The name that I was laughing at, it's it's that every product of yours that you mentioned now, I just get my mind just flashes over with all these Dali images of things that you've burned into my retinas yeah. that can't be unseen. Yes, exactly. Does the the Tower of Duck involve a bit of sheet metal brake press bending yeah, stuff? Yeah, I just sent you... There's kind of an assembly one in Slack, and then the last two oh, cool. are kind of more closer to what we're probably going to make, where it's got some material relief. And part of, a big concern for me is not adding too much weight to that spindle, because mm. it, you know, affects speed, and it would maybe have too much camber on it or something or not camber but like lean they're already supporting other stuff and like what we've put on ours this is like really close to that weight so far so is that Um, aluminium or steel this is steel we looked at aluminum but it was (laughs) strangely expensive but the weight is super great and also Mm. one of the bends everybody kept telling me you're gonna break that if you try and bend it and i was like okay, I guess I don't know how to bend aluminum at all, so teach me. Yeah, kind of came back to just steel was, if you make it thin enough, my only concern is it flopping a little bit, but we'll have to see how that holds up. Yeah, cool. It's a weird game between weight and strength. Yeah, yeah. Does your machine have a floating Z-axis? Both of our machines have got a float in the Z, so... What do you mean by that? lift you can physically like if you stand on the table and lift the spindle it'll float up or it'll ride upwards on rails in the z plus really understand. uh so i don't know i mean it goes up and down on its own axis but on its own rails yeah 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 but then so what would happen like if you the spindle was off and you had a tool in the spindle you just drove it in a negative z down into the table bed Mm -hmm. ours will just like hit the table and then the you know the steppers or servos or whatever will continue to go down, but the spindle will stay where it is and just kind of ride up on this like sort of maybe three inch travel of like safety. Weird, if that makes sense. It's really weird. Both of our machines so. have it. Never heard of that. Uh, maybe I, I don't think it does, but I could be wrong. It uh, basically is the same mechanisms. It's on a ball screw and it's got yep. a stepper and it has that little balancer weight balancer it basically offsets the weight of the spindle oh, that's really? what that stupid big looking thing is on the side that's what that thing is okay and yeah no is honestly the yeah. biggest problem producting because it always gets tangled in that and uh, i always think oh, i'm gonna either rip my spindle down or all of my ducting yeah yeah we don't have a weight balancer but we've got this weird floating head mechanism so does yours the reason that they put it on they said which makes sense to me is the Z would be limited in terms of its speed. Based, it wouldn't be able to raise as fast as the other axes would be able to move. So you'd have like okay. a weird limiting factor of like, say you could go 500 inches a minute X and Y. Yeah. <laughs> I've even done this yet, the inches per minute thing. Uh, I used to run a plasma cutter in Imperial. Oh. I have some sense oh, nice. of that. So say, you, you know, one is 500 X and Y, yeah. but the Z would then, when it raised, would go to 300 because it couldn't raise with the weight, mm. basically. I don't know why. I guess you wouldn't just put a bigger stepper on it. Their solution yeah, is that's interesting. pneumatic, which is kind of a cool solution. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I think it sounds like both of our machines are pretty slow in the Z compared to what you're quoting. Like, I think our they're limited to 150 inches a minute in the Z, hmm. both up hmm. and down. 
Oh yeah. That's, in their yeah, settings, yeah. so it's quite quite slow. That was I mean, there's a bunch of things. I bought that router, the shop paper, intending to make three D things. And so when I was shopping at that show and mm. you know, looking at the BSEs and the you'll love this one. There's a machine called the Freedom Machine. Free- right? Freedom machine. F- yeah. Freedom CNC or something like new CNC, all the all of them. Like it felt to me like it's the best price for what you're getting was definitely Shop Saber. And this is where mm. we turn into a Shop Saber ad. Ball screws I really liked, and then honestly, it that whole like Z axis it it has 12 inches of clearance underneath the gantry, which is crazy huge. And then awesome. also that balancer right. meant that it could go as fast in all acties, and I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty good. brilliant. That's cool. Nobody else really got, talked about it like that. Yeah. I suppose if you've got 12 inches of Z, 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 then yeah, you want a decent feed rate on that. Yeah, for sure. Ours has only I, got four inches of Z. Yeah. Mil. And what's funny is we still, all the time, probably like every other month, we'll have somebody go, hey, I've got this part that's like 15 <laughs> inches tall. Can you cut it? And I'm like... <laughs> God, I thought I had enough space there, you know, like with what? Yeah, right. With what? A chainsaw with what attached tool? to a five axis. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only time <laughs> we run into Z axis height limitations is if we're trying to put like big round things on the table. Yeah. Stuff mm-hmm. like that. Fixture up sort of components. Yeah, for sure. Mm. We've been printing more and more and now um, yeah. Josh has been training others on the team how to run the printers. I saw him teaching John the other day how to get stuff out of Fusion and onto the printer, which has been cool to see that happening just autonomously. Yeah. John, as machinist, has printed some new collets for the pencil sharpener the other day. Just all kind of happened independently of me, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. We've Are you seeing this warning? Issues. Nope. Apparently we have a warning that will we'll end oh, yeah. in 10 minutes. 10 minutes left. We've got this problem yeah. in the pencil shop now where because we pre-oil the stock, pre-sand and pre-oil the stock, so it's going oh, in wow. finished. Whoa. And the three-jaw chucks do tend to mark it just a little bit, depending on how, like, as it's doing the part transfer between the two parts, you can get mm-hmm. a little bit of a chuck mark. Yeah. So John solved that all of his own accord just by printing a little collet, kind of the, like the collet we made for the square stock, but for round. Yeah. And it's wow. just like this. It's a soft jaw, right? So it's now got three printed soft jaws, top and bottom, and it, it's awesome. No more marks. And so it compresses directly yeah. onto the dowel? Yeah. And you don't get, like, three layer lines then? <laughs> well, it's so much more surface area than what the chucks were True. providing. True, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 What material is it? The print? Pet G, I think. Interesting. Yeah, there's so many things. i blown away more and more. Like, my assumptions of its durability or strength is... It depends. Like sometimes, depending on how you design something, it is junk still. But it's pretty amazing what they can withstand. Like the drilling jig we made, and like honestly, all of the dust boots are like. I don't think two years ago or a year ago before we got all this, I would have never thought this would work. You know? Yeah. Have you stress tested those boots? I haven't been able to. I mean, I've squeezed the heck out of them, but I should. Yeah. Yeah. More and more. I nothing is broken on any of them. We do have some QA that ends up taking out an unfortunate amount of them because they have a little printing issue that looks like it could have a delamination in the future. So yeah, I'd say okay. we lose three to four a week, probably at least from yeah. blobs and things that just happen. And I don't know. I'm 
haven't figured out any good ways to like really improve. Like what, what I would love to be able to do with it is what it, I don't know if you watched them enough, but like ours will collect crap around the tip. And yep. if it, and when it's printing, like the whole one boot by two thirds the way up, it'll d- like slip off into the piece. And then now that's a defect. And what I want to be able to do is like have it go over into like a Brillo pad and like wipe its tip <laughs> off a little bit and then yeah. come back, which is probably possible, but I don't know. I haven't figured that out. That'd be cool. Yeah. Be a good, good reliability upgrade if you could get yeah, that to work. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because it, run, it runs G-code, right? You could just insert yeah. bits of code into the program to do that. Yeah, cool. The other thing I've seen people do, which is really appealing, but Ricky and I have talked about it, we can't imagine it working. You'd have to have a whole other level is people will either tilt their beds a little bit or put them upside down. And so huh. once the once you turn off the heat, you can use the gantry itself to push the part off in either direction. Wow. And so they slide <laughs> off and you can print again without wow. basically in loop the code, which Shit. would That's work cool. except for the fact that almost every time the bed has a bunch of detritus on it, which we've always been really fastidious about cleaning it with like isopropyl alcohol between and keeping that really clean and precise. And we never have anything pop off, which is great. So I just, mm. it would be nice so that we can do this thing in the middle of the night when it gets done it just starts again, but I just can't imagine that they would stick. And then we'd have like another spaghetti monster in the middle of the night. <laughs> just need a little can of isopropyl attached to the gantry that just. just oh, what about an air blast? That's a good idea. Yeah. Alcohol blast. Alcohol. Hit that button because I'm getting a coffee. Put that coffee down. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> right on cue. That's good. That was some good folly over there. Foley. Foley. The, Foley. The, they call it coffee pouring. Oh, yeah. It's nice. I can put the lapel mic in the coffee jug next time. <laughs> Please pour coffee over your mic. <laughs> We've got four minutes left. What happens? Oh, my gosh. We just get kicked off. Set up a nice purple mister <laughs> slash flamethrower in the Prusa. <laughs> well, I thought you were going to say for the... The computers, and I was like, I don't know, get to <laughs> auto restart. Yeah, I wonder why it's kicking us off. I don't know. I've done this for 15 times, and this is the first time today. But we've been using the same thing the whole time. I don't understand. <laughs> anyway. Officially a schmazzle. Schmazzle. I never heard that word until you said that. Are you designing in-process products? Well, I think I wrote that a couple of weeks back, but I was thinking about my process for developing things is pretty rough. Sometimes I make like a Google document or like, I'll make an actual project in our normal job shop thing, but there's no like, I don't have a good place. And I think I start to lose, I get stuff all over the place. It'll be like on my draft app, it'll be on my notes app, my all these different places where I'm like researching hardware and this process. And then I want it to be associated with a project. I don't know. But do you have something better than my scattershot approach? I wish. No, I feel like I'm scattershot as well. I wish I had a good answer. I wish I was a little bit taller. Wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl who looked good. I would call her. What do I, I mean, do? It, I guess I'm thinking of this now. Like, we have a couple, which I'm a little frustrated with my lack of foresight. Like, NAC and then PDX CNC product Airtable bases are separate. So then all Ooh. the inventory gets messy with... You got separate what, bases for different products? Yeah. I don't know. Man. It's just like trying to make Weird. them useful for each one. I don't... Honestly, I don't think it was a good mm. choice, but I'm thinking now, say it all got combined or used one of them, like your like butter 
base for, I don't know what it is. It's just like, is it just a status thing? The product has a status and you filter out those in development views products. Mm -hmm. So then it also could live with it as it goes forward, like all the development things. And yeah, I would say it's all together and it's just filtered into views. Yeah. Seems to be the best. Like I'm still really just at the sort of tip of the iceberg in terms of what's possible with filtering. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, my logic has been to dump everything into one base, everything that's thematically related, at least. (laughs) Fusion's just put up its tools overlaid over Zoom. Oh, those are are you doing that Fusion? That's that's great. That that whole like display thing is wonky and is always like showing up the browser will show up over top of like photoshop or something and you can't get it to go away until you switch back and forth a few times yeah <laughs> one of my favorites but no my, my problem with my systems in Airtable is that i don't refer back to them enough consistently yeah. enough so you know i've built what i think is quite a good sort of to do project management system for myself just the one that i refer to but I put stuff in there and I don't, you know, necessarily go and look in the right places at the right time and go, oh, that's right. I need to do that. So the one you use for yourself is only accessible by you? Like it's a separate one? It's within the company structure. Anyone could go in there and have a look at it. But it's a separate base that just I use. Interesting. Although I, I did set up a private base the other day to try and help manage my HR requirements. Oh, yeah. Keeping staff notes from our quarterly check-ins and stuff like that i used one for our uh house home renovation might force oh, yeah. my wife into using it and she oh <laughs> oh boy <laughs> goodbye uh, <laughs> oh god all right hold on uh, nobody will ever know Ta-da. seamless Ta-da. Se- good seamless. morning that was instant good we just start over <laughs> clap and one two three oh oh i know something i was gonna tell you i think we talked about Mm. podcasts like disappearing right like Mm. i had that thought yesterday of i was listening to my favorite podcast and somebody had mentioned like a facebook group i'm in or something about it was like oh i think they're starting to drop off the end like the beginning you can't see them anymore in certain places and it made me think like ooh, there's this one i really like i want as an archive i like want it and you know when the internet stopped working someday in 2050 like i want to be able to have all of them on a cassette player somewhere um so i found this app for two bucks podcast archiver for Mm -hmm. mac and you just give it an rss feed and it just pulls them all down onto a drive so i have like 20 gigs of this podcast on a drive now (laughs) you're an apocalypse resource i like it apparently yeah yeah but pretty cool i like the prepper the prepper of podcasts the podcast prepper <laughs> very good oh well, then you can get it all pressed to vinyl yeah so it's safe forever <laughs> survive an emf we're going to need to get an analog amp uh-huh. tube amp gramophone yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome to pot's department uh <laughs> that was perfect we've had this nice little process i think i've shared i was going to make a little real of it i think but we use our shapoko to do the first operations on our chemex spaces we basically like machine the bottom with some tabs so that it fits into from rough stock into the fixture on the shop table real nicely cool. and it doesn't need a second operation but we figured 
you know, it kind of works out well, like so that you don't, you have an actual flat side on one side and it fits into the fixture nicely. And that's been so slick. We've got this little like Raspberry Pi that runs the Shivoko now. Got this whole setup where I actually added today, I don't know why I didn't think of this, the Raspberry Pi can install, I think it's, I don't know what it actually runs. It's some kind of like Ubuntu thing on its own. I don't even know, but I set up, I was like, oh, I can use the printer from here because it's sitting right next to it. And we got a monitor set up. So now that little Raspberry Pi can run the Shapoko or start the printer and control it. And it's all in this little like cell. I was pretty excited. I figured out how to print from the internet today on it should have done this a while ago why do you have a shape poker does that predate uh, the shop table no i got it when i was making the intro to cnc course we could do training videos with it and we've had a few scenarios but this is the best case of i mean we could totally do all of it on the shop saver but it's kind of the perfect little job for it we've got these little clamps you just yeah. go over there and push start and it chubs away and cuts out parts and we like that kind of like two-step operation it's mm, kind of nice that's cool mm, that's not on. i like that yeah something very appealing about that and maybe it's just from listening to too much business of machining but the the multi-machine two-stage operation is attractive for some reason for sure i mean i, I guess it i also speaks to using your resources yeah effectively doesn't it right like grimsmo's like buying a hundred fifty thousand dollar machine to make his million dollar machine more yeah. time basically it's like yeah. not a problem i've ever had but you know interesting to think about like it's pretty cool yeah i've got a um oh i don't know if i should talk about this on the podcast actually oh damn it i'll try and <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll keep it loose I've got a conundrum at the moment where we've done heaps of work over the last year on our margins and ensuring that we're charging enough yep and really tightening up that structure in terms of how Mm -hmm. we quote our products and custom projects i've got a client who would love to be able to distribute some version of kit parts oh and aside from the design question of whether i even want to distribute kit parts which i'm not sure i do but Say that hypothetically, I was like, yeah, cool. Let's come up with a distribution model for kitaparts. I don't know if I can make... It, it would kind of be going backwards for us on all our margin improvement mm-hmm. to then set up a margin that's going to work for them yeah. with the multi-layered distribution model where, you know, he's not the end. He's, he's like two steps backwards. So there's like yeah. at least two more margins that need to be added on top of that. So I'm a bit torn at the moment in terms of thinking about that. But what made me think of it was sort of optimizing machine output. And, yep. you know, the pencil sharpener currently sits dormant four days a week because it's too efficient and it smashes out everything we need yeah. to really quickly. So if we could sort of fill up our machine, both in the sort of physical sense, but also in the business sense with more more widgets, then that would be beneficial. Yeah, And I just don't know how that how where the balance falls in terms of lower margin work, filling up the machine mm-hmm. whilst we're trying to sort of operate, do all our normal stuff at a different margin. Yeah. I've, I'm a bit perplexed. I've never been able to figure out that. Well, it's like, I feel like for your profession, this kind of like, how do you make 
products that are distributable it's like maybe they should have taught one of us that you know like we should have learned this in school like how do we make our mm-hmm. products profitable in this way but i mean those margins are probably why like the asian manufacturing was so popular for so long was it's it's the cost you got to drive those costs down to nothing and then be able to have the, the msrp or the the list price be something that's appealing to a different market, basically, you know, somewhere else. And I've never, the only thing I got close to that was those laptop stands because those were very affordable to make. And I did really well reselling them for like eight months. And then that dropped out one customer just like suddenly they did the office space thing to me where I just stopped getting orders. And I was like, hey, something may be wrong with the email system or you send me the drop shipped orders. They're like, oh no, we took you off our website two weeks ago. And I was like, <laughs> oh. what? What? I've been paying my, my rent and myself with this. Like, you don't even like tell me? It's just like, wow. oh, it'll sort itself out basically. But yeah, I don't know. I've never, I had somebody ask me recently, be, hey, I'm thinking about making some furniture. I know I see, you know, sell furniture. And so I was, you know, trying to describe to them what I understood about it, which feels like not very much, especially in this world of selling and manufacturing sales and from manufacturing to like wholesale basically and there's a lot of things like i don't know how we would ever wholesale the knack wall it would have to we'd have to double the price of what we're thinking at least yeah yeah and then i don't know it just doesn't seem like a product anymore no that's right i think like we're probably both in a similar spot where we're effectively selling direct at what is already a wholesale rate right Mm mm-hmm mm-hmm like I don't know about you, but we've never put any structure into our pricing for that would really allow for anyone else to put a margin on it. We're trying to make, you know, good things accessible to people that yeah. are sold direct. So, like, for someone else to take a cut of that, basically we either have to make it a lot cheaper magically or take a hit on our margin yep. to establish that structure. So we've never bothered, basically. Mm-hmm. But maybe There's- there is... Yeah, a point at which you need to sort of look at that model. I don't know. Locally, the only thing I've seen, I mean, I don't know anybody in like a blue dot or something like that. And a lot of that does get made overseas. But like locally, there's a furniture maker that um, he's, I kind of watched him from a distance. I know him vaguely go from starting to make this specific chair at a certain price say it's a thousand dollars and it's gone basically to forty five hundred dollars for that chair mm. and it was specifically because either some research he did or somebody he had talked with was like you know where the money is here like how that you make this a viable business is you work with interior designers and yeah. showrooms and so you got to have this like 4x markup on your costs he still sells a lot of them but that's just a totally different clientele than like etsy or something you know yeah yeah different structure yeah yeah, and it just yeah makes me question what we're in it for. Are we trying to sell as many widgets as possible, or are we trying to sell less widgets at the right price with sort of you know accessibility in mind? I don't know. Have you have know. you sold much of something that somebody else has made for you, like a product where you didn't have any making involved? Mm-hmm. No, hmm. that's like all I, I did so. for the first. I mean, I'm not going to say this is successful. It's just, it was a thing, you know, all these calendars and the laptop stand and I didn't have the means to make a lot of that stuff. And I had weird ideas about printed goods for so long. That was the closest I could get. And the margins, I 
I never could order enough where the margins made a lot of sense. Like they couldn't have been sold to mm. distribution and then a retailer. Like I wholesaled almost all of it, but not very well. Like it was always like I had like two per product at a time. And I always wished that would have taken off, but I never found the means to, I needed a distributor basically. And I never yeah. got that figured out. It's appealing. <laughs> mm, yeah. It's interesting. Well, I'll keep pondering that conundrum. Yeah. I'm curious to see, or if there's like some kind of like, if you simplify it, it doesn't really retain the same idea though, you know, like to make it as profitable of a unit as possible to be able to wholesale that yeah. set. I don't know. Yeah, I can simplify it. I can sort of pare it down to its essentials. And, you know, what does that do to... How does that affect our regular customers? Are they, you know, is it different enough that it's sort of non-competitive and it doesn't matter? Or, I don't know. Hmm. I'm just a bit torn by that sort of dilution. And maybe I'm too... I'm I'm aware that I'm too close to it too. Like, I'm too attached to the kit parts ecosystem and everything that I've yeah. put into it to probably think about it in a really clear, unbiased way. Because, you know, it's my baby. And oh, so, of yeah. course, I'm going to be protective of it. Oh, yeah. Um, same same thing. Is One of the things that always came up with potential large orders of our week planners or the calendars mm. was people always wanted to put their logo on it. And yeah. I was always just <laughs> like, you know, at the time, that was all I really, you know, had. And I don't know. I guess I, I, you're always precious about your own things. And I just mm -hmm. was like, are you going to order 500, first of all? No, we want 30. It's like, well, I can't make this calendar. I can't make 30 with your logo on it. It just doesn't yeah. make sense. You, they'd have to be $100 a piece or something. You know, it's like crazy. And then, yeah, the logo. They always want their logo on things. I don't know. I just never wanted to do that. I probably should have. Because what does it matter? Like, in the end, who's going to see it? Would you would you put people's logos on kit parts or Threadboard or whatever for, a, for the right scenario? No, I think... I would cross-brand it. I'd be open to cross-branding if it was unique enough. Yeah. Even if it had someone else's on it as well. Mm -hmm. oh, I, yeah. But I think that's me being a bit precious and protective. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah that's where I'm it's, at. Can you imagine having a business where you just like made products that were white labeled? It'd be so weird. <laughs> it would be weird. Yeah. We sell threaded Dell. Yeah. Just the Dell. What well, sounds sounds kind of easier in a way. Yeah, you're not precious about anything. Like, how can I sell it? It's like one of those, I don't know if you have these promotions companies where they just buy bulk product and like, what do you call that? Like soft stamp on people's logos. Uh, yeah. yeah. Silk screen, not soft stamp. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. When you get the branded Sharpie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. I don't know. I, what was weird about, if I follow back to the beginning, it's weird about mm. this vacation their time off because it you know it was like a weird series of camping events and one of which was two days where i had no cell phone service at all no wi-fi beautiful the first night kind of panicked a little bit not quite <laughs> panicked but i was just like what the hell yeah. do i do now like like my wife was going to bed she was because way earlier than i do and like we're laying in our car and i'm like what do i do right now like you know it's it, not quite dark i you know i wasn't tired so but, you pull out the gramophone I need the I need the podcast gramophone. Yeah, with a crank. But what was weird about this trip more than most others, and I guess it's probably a positive thing, is like usually I end up in those times, or just all the time, having thoughts about business, evolving something, changing this process, or 
just anything, a new product, a different way to do something. And like, it really didn't happen for like a week. And I don't, wow. I almost feel like I'm wrong. Like it was, I missed that almost, you know, like you said you with the airplane thing, right? When you're flying, like that kind of thing happens and I just didn't get it. It was very strange. Did you, did you feel guilty for not thinking about? I guess business? so. Mm. Yeah. Like it's coming back and not having, you know, a series of good and bad ideas that usually happens. That's weird. Weird for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's super weird. I can relate to that in terms of the last nine to 10 months of being in this business coaching program and sort of starting to slowly take a sort of step back from the day to day and seeing the business mm-hmm. as a whole. There's definitely a sense of guilt of not being like that central, do everything, answer every question node of like this little, like, oh, oh this, this is weird. I'm just sitting in my little hole in the wall here with the door shut and, you know, <laughs> working away. They just away. wave to you. I by and like, there's Jim. He used to do stuff. Oh, used to used to be useful. <laughs> Pretty useless now. <laughs> I don't um, even know what he does in there. Yeah. No, I that's interesting. Wait. I wouldn't have thought that, but I can totally see what you mean by that. Like, I you know it's would like to get there too. What feels like the right path, and what I we should talk about the next time. The idea that what like, comes up all the time when you hire somebody to help with like sales, for example, or like the job shop kind of first process, that first section of things where you Mm. intake and talk. And I've always wanted to hire somebody specifically for that, but Mm. it never feels like there's enough work for it. Like that that person wouldn't have enough to do. So it's just this endless. Yeah. I don't know. We should not go into that. Yeah. I know. Yeah. That would be an interesting thing to chat about. Yeah. 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 Hiring chicken and egg. Yeah. That's, that's the next big one on our list on our recruitment list is that position. Ooh, good. Yeah. This is, Next time Probably. on Parts Department. It's next, next summer. Next time on Parts Department, the guys need to hire sales positions who will make it. Yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, we'll wait till next summer. We're taking a break. <laughs> season one is done. Oh, seasons. Yeah, wow. Okay. I don't know which season. It's either winter or summer. <laughs> all right, then. Get on with it. See if we can See stitch this all together. <laughs> Good. See ya. Bye. Bye. I like your glasses. I'm Thanks. looking at something that are actually similar to those shapes. So we'll be really similar in the end. Well, yeah. Let's see if you can just get this profile, then we'll yeah. be sweet. Snapped yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> if I just came back with the same glasses, how great would that be?